welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the Give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa, and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! Hey Kingdom Culture family, happy Sunday. Welcome to our online experience. We are full on into the summer. I hope you're enjoying your summer so far. If you're not with us live Uh, You know, thank you so much for coming in on here. We love connecting with our online community. If you live abroad, tell us where you're watching from. Like, subscribe, share if you haven't already subscribed to our YouTube channel. Check out our other YouTube channel, Supernatural Leadership. Subscribe to that. Lots of amazing content on leadership coming out on there. And so I would just encourage you to share this with a friend. Let someone else know what God is doing in your community, your online community. Uh, Extend a welcome, an invitation. I know people always appreciate that. So thank you so much for tuning in. Today we are diving into um, a message that uh, I just believe is sort of like a a continuation and a build on of something that I shared back in, I believe it was 2021 and or and actually possibly 2020. And we're gonna kind of pick it up from there, but we're gonna build on it. I wanna open with Galatians chapter six, verse seven. Galatians chapter six, verse seven says this out of the New Living Translation, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. This is this context is speaking about a principle and a, a spiritual law that cannot be broken. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. You will always reap what you sow. You will get a reward from whatever it is that you put into the spiritual ground of your life. If you sow negative, you're going to reap negative. If you sow positive, you're going to reap positive. You cannot mock the justice of God and break and think that you're going to be able to break the law, the principles and the laws of God that whatever you give or whatever you sow, you are going to reap back. Those it says in verse 8, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. So if you're only doing things that are destructive in your life and giving and and putting value on and giving your time to things that are destructive in your life, you're going to reap that same destruction. But if it says here, but those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. The goal of course, is to grow and build our relationship with God. And the more that we sow into that, the more we give to that, the more that we give time to that relationship with God, time in the word, meditating on the word, giving, you know, giving God 
those moments of stillness, being still, know that knowing that he is God, Psalms 46.10, the more that we put into our relationship will determine the amount that we get out of the relationship. Now, that sounds to someone like, maybe, oh, it sounds like works and we're trying to work ourselves into salvation. No, just a matter of dedication. Where is your dedication? Is it to things that are destructive in your life or things that are actually empowering in your life? The question is, where is your dedication? Because whatever you dedicate your time to, dedicate your spiritual seed to, dedicate your finances to, dedicate just any part of your life, your gifts, your skill sets, whatever you dedicate those things to, you are gonna reap a reward from, okay? And it will look like whatever it is you're sowing into. So today's message, today's message, and even though I probably won't refer back to this opening uh, verse, is plant it when it's hard. Plant it when it's hard. But I open with this verse because we, I don't know what it is, but so many people as believers think that they can change these principles and these spiritual laws of God because of God's grace. It's like, no, if, you, if, you're, if you're sowing in crap, you're gonna get crap. If you're sowing in negative, you're gonna get negative. Now, of course, there is grace. Okay, I'm talking about intentionality here. You make a mistake, you know, there's grace, there's mercy. You know, grace is giving you, uh, it's undeserved favor. So you're getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not giving you what you do deserve. And there's always grace and mercy. But I'm talking about intentionality here. If we're sowing intentionally negative things all the time, well then we have to expect that we're probably gonna reap those negative benefits. If we're not empowering our relationships, then our relationships probably will eventually break down. We can't not empower our relationships and expect our relationships to be strong and healthy. Not only is it common sense, it's a spiritual law. So we're talking about today, plant it when it's hard. And I declared in the beginning of June, in the beginning of June, uh, or maybe it was nearing the end of May, I think it was the beginning of June though, that we are in a planting season. There was a message that I opened up with saying we are in a planting season. And today, I'm talking about what it looks like to be planting in various aspects of our life through the life of Isaac. Like I said, um, I shared a little bit of a prophetic type message back in, I can't remember now if it was 2021 or 2020, but it was during sort of the, the middle line or the heat of the pandemic online. And we're gonna pick it up and build on that. Isaac, Isaac did just this. He planted when it was hard. And we've talked about Abraham several weeks ago. If you were alive with us and you've even seen the message even last week online, or not last week, sorry, but um, probably about three weeks ago, uh, yeah, three or four weeks ago now, you would have seen a second part of this Abram, Abraham message that I shared. Uh, these, these two Sundays were really powerful. We did some real specific faith acts as partner, uh, partnering with the spirit of, of the word. But we talked about Abraham and his promise. And, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were the, the fathers, the patriarchs of the faith. And, you know, Abraham had a promise. And we see it in Genesis chapter 12. God was going to do amazing things through his life and multiply his descendants more numerous than the stars. And, you know, God told Abraham one time, get out of your tent, look up. And you see all the stars, you can't even count them. I'm gonna make your descendants like that in a, in a way that you can't even comprehend. You're gonna have so many descendants and wherever you go, I'm gonna bless them. I'm gonna bless all the families through you. And of course, Jesus is connected in lineage to Abraham and we are a part of that lineage through Jesus. We've been grafted in 
We're a part of that. We share the same inheritance. We talked about this. They shared about the promise that affects our life. And we read it about it. We read about it in Galatians about how Jesus is the connector for us to all the promises that God spoke over Abraham. But we know that Isaac was the first, let's call him the first fruit, the beginning stages of the fulfillment of that promise. And so we're going to read in Genesis chapter 26, verse 1. Says this out of the New Living Translation a severe famine now struck the land. You can replace that fa word famine with pandemic. You can replace it with epidemic. You can replace it with recession. You can replace it with, uh, you know, the, the stock market crash. You can replace it with whatever you want, inflation. Uh, you can replace it with prime interest rates exploding. But a severe famine now struck the land as had happened before in Abraham's, Abraham's time. Now, it's referring to, okay, very similar to your father and very similar to what your father went through, the same type of a thing is happening right now. And I'm just going to pause there for a second. And you can see this in Genesis chapter 12, verse 10. At that time, now this is after God gave Abraham an amazing promise, at that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt where he lived as a foreigner. Now, it's very important that we understand that because the famine that was severe in Abraham's time, which is similar to what Isaac is experiencing, forced Abraham to go down to Egypt, Egypt to live. And then if you go back to verse uh, one of chapter 26 of Genesis, it says the same thing. A severe famine now struck the land as had happened before in Abraham, referencing Genesis chapter 12, verse 10. Then it says this, so Isaac moved to Gerar where Abimelech, king of the Philistines, lived. Verse two, the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, do not, this is important, do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. Why did he say, do not go down to Egypt? Yes, it was the, the path that probably made the most sense, but he was referring to, don't repeat the method, don't repeat the path that your father did. During a severe famine, where did Abraham go? Went down to Egypt. During a, 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 during a severe famine for Isaac, where was he potentially tempted to go down to do what his father did, to go down to Egypt? God said, don't do what your dad did. Don't do what the previous generation did in a time of famine or a similar time. A similar time. I'm calling you to do something different. Do as I tell you. Just like Abraham started his whole journey off. In Genesis chapter 12, when God said to him, okay, you're gonna you're leave your family, leave your native country, God said to Abraham, leave all your possessions, leave your family, leave everything comfortable, secure, all your stability, leave it all, and go to a land that you do not yet know. Like you're gonna, you're you're basically going into uh no man's land, nowhere, nowhere land. You're going into a land of uncertainty, new territory. Okay, well, in this case, God is like to saying saying to Isaac, this is I told your dad. You're going to follow my lead. You're going to follow my lead. It says, verse 3, Live here as a foreigner in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. I hereby confirm that I will give all these lands to you and your descendants. Once again, Abraham's promise is trickled down into Isaac. God is reminding Isaac of the prophetic word that he spoke over Abraham. Okay, now Isaac would have grown up. Like, we don't really have total evidence of this, but he would have grown up 
uh, hearing the stories and the prophetic words of Abraham, his father. God spoke to me this, and Isaac, it's going to be fulfilled through you. Because Abraham knew that Isaac was the beginning fulfillment, that through Isaac's lineage, through his bloodline, the prophetic promise would be fulfilled. That Abraham would never see it, but he knew it would take place. So it says here, I will hereby confirm that I'll give all these lands to you and your descendants, just as, a solemn, just as I solemnly promised Abraham, your father. I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky, and I will give them all these lands, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. He's simply regurgitating, rehashing the promise that we see in Genesis chapter 12 over Isaac in this moment. I will do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed all my requirements, commands, decrees, and instructions. I will do this because your dad was obedient. I'm going to carry out my promise because of the previous generation. Verse 6, so Isaac stayed in Gerar. Now, to the reason why that's important is because it shows obedience again. God said, don't go down to Egypt like your dad did during a severe famine. You're going to stay in this plant, in this place, in this land as a foreigner. And the fact that he was obedient means that he was doing what God was telling him to do, not just what the previous generation. So real briefly today, we're going to talk about three areas where Isaac planted it. And there are three, what I'm going to call it's that he planted in this storyline. Okay. Now, like I said, we were building on something we've done, uh, did, did several years ago during the pandemic, but I just believe that God is, we're in a season where we have to really own this and get this. We're still in this place. And with all the fear Whenever there is great fear being driven in the markets, great fear being driven in the media, um, great, um, or whether you call that wisdom, which I don't believe it always is, um, often what seems like wisdom or the wisdom of the world often is driven by fear. We have the wisdom of God, then we have the wisdom of the world. Often, though, what seems like wisdom, it's deceptive, and what the media is saying, what the news is saying, what studies are showing, what's going to happen based upon what happened in the 1940s or the 1900s or the last recession, based upon facts, what happened in the 1980, in the 80s with inflation, based upon all these statistics, all this data, it's probably going to happen again. Whenever I hear that, my, 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 obviously, yes, there is, there's patterns and there's practical, but you have to look a little bit deeper because you can have all the stats, all the data, all the logic, all the budget, and in the end, you have to still believe and realize that God is still bigger than it all. It's not a cop-out, but actually, in the kingdom, that's what's considered common sense, that we discernment is looking through the data and seeing what's motivate. What's, what's the motivation for the narrative? And whenever I hear, you know, fear mongering or ever I hear like we're going into a recession and inflation's going to be worse than it was in the eighties. And, and I hear all this stuff. I'm thinking to myself, okay, God, there's fear. And I might feel the influence of that fear. I might feel like this is the wrong time to do anything. And I might feel, but then I have to go to, but God, what do you say? Because I see 
you in times of famine. I see you in times of distress. I see you in times of devastation all throughout scripture doing the most miraculous things. Things that glorify you, things that only we can say had to have been God. When there are millions of people in a desert and there's no food and I see they're not hoarding the food, but they're trusting you every day for their new manna. This is what happened with the, the Israelites and every day they had to trust God for their provision. Did they hoard it? No, but when they did hoard it, out of fear, the food that they hoarded turned into maggots and God rebuked them. And so I'm, I'm referring to an actual story in scripture. And I think oftentimes for fear, we begin to do all these different things and realize we only come into more bondage. Now, like I said, I'm not saying don't be wise, but look a little bit deeper. When you feel the fear, when you hear all the reports and you see the data, what is God still saying in the midst of all of that? And here, Isaac is in a famine, severe famine like his dad, could have operated like his dad, but he decided to be different, decided to listen to God's way. When it didn't make sense, when it made all the sense to hoard, what did Isaac do? Well, we're going to get into that in a few moments here. But number one, number one, he planted his faith. He planted his faith. Number one, first key to plant, first it to plant in times when it's crazy, in times when it's hard, is to plant your faith. Verse one, chapter 26, a severe famine now struck the land as it happened before in the Abraham's time. So Isaac moved to Gerar, where Abimelech, king of the Philistines, lived. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you, in that one phrase, do as I tell you, is all we need. It's all we need in a time where it's hard, when we are fearful. What do we do? We plant our faith. We plant our faith. Where is our faith? In his word. He said, do as I tell you. I'm planting my faith, not in society's data, not in the strategies of the world, not in all the what seems like worldly wisdom, I'm not planting my faith in the narrative that's being spun or spewed at me every day through the news. No, I'm planting my faith in you. Because in the end, at the end of the day, just like Job, he's all I got. He's all I got. When you come to a place where Jesus is all you need, you realize and also come to a place that Jesus is all you have. He's the only thing that's gonna help you get through the hardest of times. You can try to medicate, self-medicate all you want. You can add these addictions to your life and you can binge watch and do all these things to medicate and kind of distract you from what's really going on. But what's really going on is God wants to deal with the fear. He wants to deal with what's going on in the heart. And the way that we deal with this is to plant our faith even firmer in Christ when everything else around us is shaking. Back in, in, in sort of the beginning of June, I shared this word before we opened up the message. And it was based upon a dream that I had the night before, actually. And I knew it was a, a corporate prophecy. And I saw Ottawa and I saw the uh, surrounding regions of Ottawa. And that's something underground that had been there for a long time was about to erupt. And in the dream, I saw devastation, I saw catastrophe. And I knew it was both metaphorically, I, I knew it was both spiritual, like spiritual, even though I saw catastrophe in the natural, 
I knew it represented spiritual, but that also it would be reflected in um, the natural in some way. And uh, I, it, you know, it could, and I didn't share this, but it probably, you know, because it was Ottawa and the surrounding areas of Ottawa represents some of the climate that we are up against right now, both politic politically in media, but it, I believe it connects to several things, but it's something that had been underground for a while. I saw it actually like lava coming to the surface and breaking open and devastating parts of the city. But my first response in the dream was to, to get my kids to pack their bags. And in the dream, God had spoken to me and said, but, but Sean, why are you packing your bags? Why are you moving? It hasn't touched your home yet. Your home is a safe place. And I actually, in the dream, felt like what God was saying to me was that no matter what comes your way when it's hard, plant yourself and plant your faith in the most secure home the home that never shakes, and that's me. I am your home. I am your safe place. And immediately I was brought to this, uh, this psalm, Psalm 16, that I've loved over the years, and I've actually preached m multiple messages on over the years. Verse 16, verse 8, it says this, I've set the Lord always before me. I've put him in the front seat of my life. I put him in my focus. And because he's at my right hand, speaking of place of strength, security, because he's in, he's my home, he's my security, he's my stability, he's my strength, I shall not be moved. That's the New King James Version. It says in the Passion Translation, because you are close to me and always available, my confidence will never be shaken, for I experience your wraparound presence every morning. He is my home. He is my safe place. Now, this is what they call the Mishtam of David. And actually, it means something that must be and should be engraved on your heart. It's such an important truth and revelation and insight. It's to be engraved on the heart. They call it the golden psalm, to be engraved in gold. I want this word to be engraved in the gold of my heart. Because I know when things shake around me and things erupt from underneath me and I'm tempted to move out and I'm tempted to move not only my physical being, get out of Dodge, but I'm tempted maybe to move my faith. I'm tempted for my, um, uh, to allow my faith to be shaken. I can trust that he is my safe place because this is engraved in my heart. And if I keep God set before me and I keep him in this, this place of he is my home, he is my stability, he is my security, he is the power at my right hand. If I keep that in focus, I will not be shaken and not be moved when everything is moving around me. Because there's so much temptation when things get hard. Let's get out of here. Like, let's get out. So many people are moving out of Canada. Let's get out of here. Let's get out of this city. It's like, it's hard. We don't want to be here. Let me just tell you, your hard here will be a different hard wherever else you go. There's always going to be a hard. No matter where you go, you're going to find hard things, hard moments. There's no place you're ever going to live if you're living kingdom life that won't have a heart attached to it. If you're called... Um, if you're doing what God's called you to do and you're doing God's mission in your life at some level and you're expressing the kingdom wherever you go, it's going to be hard. You're going to have rejection. You're going to have all kinds of stuff that will make you want to peace out, make you want to leave. But if you've set him before you, if he is set before you and you keep him in that place of security, stability, he is your home. He is your safe place. You will not be moved because he's engraved this truth on your heart. I've had uh, two two significant dreams 
in the last probably 13 years, powerful ones, where this word, this verse literally, literally came to me in a dream and was spoken over me in a dream when I was in a season of heart, when I was in a season where things were shaking around me. This verse, literally the verse came to me in a dream twice in the last 13 years. And uh, at one time I even woke up, I uh, woke up not even really knowing the verse and I woke up reciting it. I was I woke up because the Lord has set before me and he is at my right hand, I will not be moved. I woke up, actually sang it one time out of a dream that I was having. And you know, when you wake up out of dreams and you're declaring scriptures that you were not meditating on the night before or thinking about or even even necessarily knew in quotes or, or in reference, uh, you know God is speaking to you. And so I want to encourage us in this season, like Isaac did, plant your faith. Do as he tells you to do. Don't do as the world is screaming at you to do. When the world says move, when the world says it's too hard, when the world says, you know, get out, hoard, you know, you know, protect, self-protect, you do what God tells you to do. And when you do that, you're planting your faith in the right space, in the right soil. Number two, number two, plant yourself. Plant your faith, plant yourself. Number two, plant yourself. Now, it's one thing to plant your faith, but it's a whole other thing for that faith to be reflected in your actions. And that's what Isaac did. He planted himself. So I could say, I'm planting my faith in Christ. It's easy to say that. Everybody says that. I believe. I believe. I believe. He is my God. He is the one who's leading me. But then when it comes down to actually doing it, that's really the signpost. The, that's really the, the, the demonstration that you actually are planting your faith. Planting your faith has to look like something. And for him, it was planting himself. He didn't leave. It says here in verse 26, verse three, you know, after God said, do what I tell you, he says, live here. Live here as a foreigner in this land and I will be with you and bless you. And here's why. If you do this, then he re recounts, like I said earlier and re recited earlier, he, he actually regurgitates the prophetic promise over his dad. I hereby confirm that I will give you all these lands, your descendants, just as I solemnly promised your dad, Abraham. I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky. And goes on, I'm going to bless you. Because you obeyed all my requirements, all my commands, decrees, and instructions, because of all that, I'm going to bless you. But you got to stay here. Do as I tell you. Stay here. Plant yourself. Plant your faith. Plant yourself, live here. It says verse six, so Isaac stayed in Gerar. He actually reflected his faith. When you're tempted to do something you don't wanna do, and you say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm planting my faith, the next step is to actually do the thing you say you're gonna do. It's kinda of like saying, oh God, I'm gonna trust you with my finances. But then you actually don't do anything with your finances to trust him. I'm gonna trust you with my career but then you don't do anything to trust him with your career. I trust him with my relationships, but then you don't do anything to trust him with your relationships. That your trust in faith is always reflected in action. You've heard it said like this in James, the most practical book in the Bible. You know, faith without works is dead. Like faith looks like something. You don't have to work to prove your faith. Works are an overflow of real faith. If you're persuaded by God, that something that you're doing is the right thing. It's going to overflow itself into works. You don't have to try to work to prove your faith. Faith is what proves your work. You understand what I'm saying? There's a difference. Faith is what proves your work. Faith is what motivates and proves 
that the work you're doing actually is coming from the right space and the right motive. God said to Isaac, live here as a foreigner, and so he did. This place for Gerar, where he lived, where he stayed, literally, in simplest definition, really means lodging place. Lodging place. He he lodged himself. The if you break down the word further, it can mean a temporary transitional place. It speaks of like itinerant, the itinerant mentality. It's temporary. It's not forever. But I want you to stay in this place. If you break down the word some more, it also can mean a place of strife or contention or opposition, a place of repeated. Uh, assault, or not sorry, singular assault, or or repeated uh, place where something's being withdrawn from you repeatedly. So this is where we get the idea of strife and an agitated place. It can feel like an agitated place, a hard place, a place of opposition. But either way, he was lodged in this temporary place of opposition. Do you feel like maybe right now you're in a place of strife, opposition? You're lodged there. You know, it's not forever, but God's told you not to leave there. I know that there are seasons of my life where I feel like, okay, I'm in this I'm in this spiritual, metaphorical place, this season, this spiritual season of my life, and I don't like it. It's It feels like it's full of opposition. It's like, I know it's temporary, but if I can just make it through, if I can just keep my heart right in this place, this temporary place, this place where I'm lodged right now, I know I'll win because God's told me to stay here. I don't want to escape things because they're hard. I don't want to escape things prematurely because they're hard because I know that there are seasons of my life where God is proving and designing and sculpting new sides of my character. So I welcome it. God, if it's if this is how it's supposed to feel right now, I know that it's not going to be forever, but also I'm human. I'm having a I'm 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 a spiritual person having a human experience. And right now my human experience sucks. I don't like it. It feels hard. I'm being agitated. I'm being rubbed on all the wrong sides. But I know that somehow it's sculpting me into a better person. I look back on all the hard seasons of my life. And I thank God for those seasons. I thank God for those seasons. It's easy when you're doing really good to look back and be like, wow, look how much that last season sculpted me. I hated being there, but now I'm in the best season of my life. But then we get into a hard season again and we forget that in the hard season like it was before, God is sculpting us and we wanna get out of it again. Let's just try to escape it. Let's medicate, let's eat some ice cream, let's you know, binge watch whatever, let's do this and do that to kind of escape reality. But God is wanting to sculpt something so precious on the inside of us. And so if we can just come to a place where we're doing what God is telling us to do, planting our faith, planting ourselves, and staying in the place that God wants us to stay, when it's time, we will move into that place of prosperity, that place of breakthrough. Some of you don't like that word breakthrough. You hear it so much. You're like, breakthrough, when's my breakthrough? Listen, you're always in a place of breakthrough. You're always breaking through. Your breakthroughs may not be the breakthroughs you're looking for, but you're always breaking through something. If you're walking, if you're moving forward, you're always breaking through something. You're breaking through mental barriers. You're breaking through mindset barriers. You're, you're, you're transforming and renewing your mindsets. You're thinking bigger, better, hopefully healthier. You're always breaking through something, bettering your relationships, you know, advancing in your job. It may not be the ultimate of ultimate and you have, you know, your idea of breakthrough is like winning the lottery. That's your idea. That's not really a breakthrough. 
Breaking through is an everyday process of being better, a better version of yourself because you allow God to sculpt you and do what he wants to do within you. And so here we have Isaac. He planted himself. We're called to plant ourselves. No matter what comes his way or came his way, no matter what comes our way, we plant ourselves when it's hard. Maybe it's our community Maybe it's our career, our relationships, our church. So many people leave all of those things I just mentioned. Relationships, career, community, church, so many other areas of their life when it's hard. They don't plant themselves. They wonder why they're fragmented. They wonder why they're fractured. They wonder why they're everywhere they go, they bring their baggage because they never quite plant themselves and break through when it's hard. They don't stay in Garar. They don't stay in that lodging place that God has told them to stay in. They don't stay when it's hard. They, they've said they've planted their faith, but when they've given opportunity to plant their self, themselves physically and stay for the long haul and make it through, they don't make it through. So then the whole pattern is repeated again. God says, plant your faith. They plant their faith. God gives them an opportunity to plant themselves. They don't plant themselves. They peace, they get out when it gets hard. And this was the dream that I was having when I was tempted to move. God was like, no, your home is fine. You stay where I've told you to stay. Plant yourself both spiritually and physically and you watch what I do around your life. Number three, number three, Isaac planted his seed. God is saying to us today, plant your seed. This is a part of this ongoing expression of what faith looks like, of what planting yourself looks like. Now it's like plant your seed. It's like not only do I want you to live here, I want you to make a home here. I want you to harvest here. I want you to reap rewards here. I want you to cultivate something here, create culture here. Verse 26, chapter 12, or chapter 26, verse 12 of Genesis, when Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted. Now, often when you see the word a hundred, um, both in the Hebrew and in Greek, language, but <clears throat> thinking about the fact that in this uh, this culture, this Hebrew culture, you, you this word hundred simply means the full potential. The full potential of your seed is what Isaac harvested. It doesn't necessarily mean it was a hundred times actually, but when you see hundred mentioned, especially in scripture, like in the parables in the New, in the New Testament, we're going to read this next week, we're going to go through this next week, it often means the fullest potential. So he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted for the Lord blessed him. Verse 13, he became a very rich man and his wealth continued to grow. He acquired so many flocks and sheep, goats and herds of cattle and servants that the Philistines became jealous of him. So here Isaac, he plants his faith, he plants himself, doesn't do what his dad did, listens to God, stays in Gerar, even though there's opposition, there's strife, he's lodged here. Maybe it's hard, he's in a severe famine, pandemic, epidemic, whatever you want to call it, recession, and God says, okay, now I want you to plant. I want you to plant. Well, shouldn't I, shouldn't I, it's a famine. It's a famine, so shouldn't I hoard? Shouldn't I store it up? Shouldn't I store it up? Shouldn't I keep it in the savings account? Shouldn't I keep it in the barn? 
in case the famine goes on longer. No, God said plant your seed. So he plants the seed. And in a time of famine, he prospers. Why? Because he was listening. Because he was obedient. Because he did what his dad did to see the beginning fruition of his promise. He listened. He obeyed. God said plant, so he planted. He planted his crops that year and he harvested a hundred times more grain. So much prosperity in a time of famine. The Philistines, really symbolizing the enemies, became jealous of him. They became jealous of the breakthrough. Probably it was a testimony. Well, we know it was later on because we see what happened. Of the goodness of God. Of the goodness of God. We see the fight even after this of the Philistines trying to block up his father Abraham's wells and Isaac would dig another one. I'm not going to go through that. This jealous revengeful response that began to happen as a result of his prosperity. Trying to move Isaac out. Trying to transition Isaac out. But Isaac won in the end. Because God's favor, when it's activated, because of something that we are being faithful with. Because God's favor is always there. But it's whether or not we apprehend his favor, live it out because of our journey. Whether or not we partner and align with that favor. It's up to us to steward what God has called us to do. If we sit on our couch, you could say you have favor all you want. I've been blessed and highly favored. But if you don't use the skills, talents, gifts God's given you, you don't steward your life, manage your life, you're, you're not really going to access the favor in a way that's tangible if you don't partner with God. And here Isaac was partnering with God in this process, so much so that the Philistines became jealous of him. And there are seasons where probably at some level, Isaac may have felt this, we don't know this for sure, but in a famine where it's scary to plant, it's scary to sow, but we know that we cannot mock the justice of God. If you read in Galatians chapter six, in the beginning of this whole message, that whatever a man sows, that shall he reap. We will reap whatever we sow. We will receive whatever we give towards. There will be a return always. We cannot forget that. There are times when we're going to sow, we're going to step out, we're going to plant, and we're going to stay in seasons that are hard because God has a reward on the other side of it and it may feel scary. Psalms 126 verse 5 says, those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. The context of this is a, a farmer who has no more seed left. He's got like a little bit of seeds left, like just a little bit left. Kind of like the widow uh, uh, interaction with Elijah, where a little bit of flour, a little, a little bit of oil. And in here, here the farmer is only got a little bit left, and he plants his last seed, his last seed with hopes that something's going to happen. Have you ever been in a situation, I know I have, where it's like you're sowing your last seed, you're sowing like everything you've got, you know God's in it, there's tears that come with it, there's fear that comes with it, a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of anxiety, but God, I know you're calling me to do this. I'm giving it all. I'm scared. I don't understand what's going to happen. But the promise is that those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. The shouts of joy come because of the sowing in tears. It's the juxtaposition of sorrow and joyfulness. That is the most powerful experience. When you sow something in tears, and time goes by, and you've sown it into the ground, 
and all of a sudden now you're reaping the harvest, man, you're gonna shout with joy because you know how painful it was to let go of the thing that you sowed into the ground. And I've done this over the years and plant seeds over the years in weeping, but I've always harvested with joy. In fact, I can remember like even things that I'm living today, things that I see today every day when I walk through my house are a reminder of times when I've sown in tears, things that I've literally cried over, giving away, and yet I'm seeing the fruitfulness every day in my life. And we did this, um, we did this not too long ago, um, like I said, in the context of these Abraham messages that I was sharing, where based upon two dreams from uh, two of our leaders in the house, Jean and Harley, and uh, uh, there, there was some dreams around, you know, something special that God wanted to do on these Sundays where we would bring, we brought, you know, a, a, a special offering, something that was above and beyond our normal giving. And we wrote down on a card things that we were believing for in this season. And the whole premise was build an altar, build an altar. You need a breakthrough, build an altar. This is all throughout scripture. You know, you want, you're believing for something special, like do something different. You know, you've heard it said like the definition of insanity, to do the same thing over and over again and expect something new to happen. Well, sometimes you got to interrupt the flow of your normal everyday routine of generosity, routine of giving, and we build something special, like build an altar and say, okay, God, like, I don't know what's going on. Something needs to shift. Something needs to break through. We're believing for a building as a house. We're stepping out and I'm hoping that you could step out with us in this season, believing to expand in this season financially, expand in generosity. We have an amazingly generous house at Kingdom Culture, whether it's online or in person. You know, every year God blows our mind with, even through the pandemic and how we were able to navigate the pandemic. But now we are in a season of radical expansion. We're, believe, we're, we're stretching the tent. We're really believing God. Not that we haven't before, but in this season aggressively, you know, we've taken steps. We've taken steps to put offers on, on property. And I, I just believe that in this season, as you partner with us, asking God, what does he want you to do? If you're a part of this community, I would encourage you to be a part of this next season. Maybe it's stepping into giving for the first time, trusting God with your finances for the first time. Maybe it's the tithe, trusting God with your first 10. Maybe you used to tithe, but because of financial issues, you stopped. I want to encourage you, listen, no matter what comes your way, it's when it's hard and makes no sense that it makes the most sense to God. Because that's where the revelation becomes real. If it's easy for you to do things God's called you to do, then you're probably not stretching yourself very much. It's when it's hard. Isaac sowed in a time of famine. If you're struggling maybe with the tithe, and you stop doing it, I would encourage you to re-engage this with God. Or maybe it's too much for you. Start with something. Start somewhere. Maybe it's a dollar a day. Start with somewhere trusting God with your finances in a new way. And if you're part of this house, I would encourage you to partner with what God is doing in kingdom culture, trusting God with your finances through the local church as we see the Bible instructs us to do, especially with our tie but maybe for you it's a it's a smaller offering it's something that you're just you're stepping into for the first time we did this like i said as a house and i'm telling you it was such a powerful few weeks just because people were bringing their faith but also bringing their action and so in this season i believe that we are in a planting 
seed season, like I said. We're planting our faith, we're planting ourselves, and we're planting our seed to see God do what he always promised us he would do. So let me pray for us as we close here for today's message. God, I pray for everyone watching, everyone listening, and maybe they're, they go to another church, they go to another, they're part of another spiritual community. My encouragement for them in this season is to make some room for breakthrough and harvest in their life by planting something, planting seed. But first, planting their faith, planting themselves, but, but resulting in doing something with what they have in Jesus' name. God, I pray for this house that you'd stretch us, that God, you'd expand our territory in this season. God, you'd open up the door for building and permanent and a permanent place, stability in this season in a whole new way. God, I pray that you would show us what you're saying to us individually as people. Maybe it's our career, our relationships. Maybe it's something financially, our community. Whatever it is for us, that you would show us, God, how this word affects our personal life in a real way. So my encouragement, God, for today, and I pray that all of us would hear this, is to plant it when it's hard, God. When it feels hard, that's when we're called to plant it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, Kingdom Culture. Thank you so much for tuning in, listening. We'll see you next week.